This time on the Magic Kitchen podcast, we're going to talk about witch identities. I'm Leander Witchwood. And I'm Elise Wells. And welcome to the Magic Kitchen podcast, where we talk about magic, kitchen witchcraft, herbs, and everything in between. I'd like to start this podcast with defining a little bit of what it means to be a true witch versus the popular trend. And I know this is kind of a sticky situation because how do you define a true witch? Right, Elise? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I think people's uh, hackles are raised already, probably wondering where we're going with this. Oh, listen, these bitches, they're going to tell me how to be a witch. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's not what I'm going to do. I will never do that. (laughs) Yeah. They should know us by now. They should. (laughs) Dang it. (laughs) Um, But the the idea, the aesthetic of being a witch is a very popular thing right now. And I think that gives a lot of people a misconception about what witchcraft is. And I've always said this, that witchcraft is blood and bone. It is the dirty, icky Mm -hmm. stuff that a lot of people want to kind of bypass over. And to me, in my practice, true witchcraft is not spiritual bypassing. You don't adopt Mm -hmm. witchcraft because you don't want to deal with your dirty stuff. Um, In our previous podcast, we talked about shadow witches, and I fully identify with that Um witchy modality so to speak and it is very much a owning your own shit and dealing with it and not projecting it onto other people which brought me to a a huge illumination and it's something that you know i am working through with my own path on this whole idea of owning my stuff and That to me is the path of the witch. It's not necessarily casting spells every day or having this beautiful Mm -hmm. altar. It's not about, you know, being aesthetically pleasing. The tattoos you have. Yeah, Yeah. the tattoos, the hair color, the, the, I don't know, clothes you wear, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. For the most part, witches are pretty normal. We look like soccer moms. We look like the person in the grocery (laughs) store next to you in the aisle. What are your thoughts, We look like your kid's teacher. Yes! Or counselor. I was a or... teacher for years. Yeah. Yes, you were. I think a lot of times people think that like it's one of those there among us things, you know, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. we want to stand out to each other. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, witches do recognize each other. It's like yes. a, it's like a gaydar kind of thing. <laughs> like we find <laughs> each other without trying too hard. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I can't think of anything quippy enough there. But no, no, no. Yeah. I don't... <laughs> There's there's a lot of pressure and I think sometimes we get really caught up on especially in the fall because people mm. are like it's witchy season like yes. we as we know it's all year witchy season all is year. all year yep every day 
But that doesn't mean we have to be beholden to that standard of, mm-hmm. of what a witch looks like. That's all yeah. fun, but that doesn't, you know, it doesn't define us. What we right. look like never defines us as people. No, it doesn't. And you can even go cha- through changes in how you appear on the outside. And that is, it, that's just the shell. That's not the inner yeah. work. Um, now, how you live your life might be a clear representation of what kind of which you are or how balanced you are in your path and in your crafts. Definitely, because there's a lot of patterns we go through that are are helpful or they hinder. So that mm-hmm. could be a clear reflection of the witchcraft path. Um, you know, maybe maybe you have a habit of saying a blessing every time you go into a forest to go for a walk or you leave a piece of your hair. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah, that's when I I'm, do that every time. Yeah, exactly. That's one of my little rituals that I do. But nobody would notice if I'm walking with a group yeah. or walking by somebody on the path that is just walking their dog. Um, they're not going to notice me pulling a piece of hair out of my head and tying it to a tree or leaving it on a branch. You know, that's that's little things that witches do that maybe another witch would notice and go, ah, I see you there, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I think it makes me Light excited. Calls to like, right? <laughs> yes, yes. You know, just pause to just say a prayer or acknowledge a pretty flower or a fallen leaf that has really pretty colors, that sort of thing. And animism is a huge part of many witchcraft mm. paths. So, mm-hmm. you know, that moment where the weather's really good and we're like, oh, she's a gorgeous cloud up there, you know, like we yes. almost like gender things or we yes. give them personality and, yeah. or we don't really give it to them. We just notice their personalities. Well, and then that's you know? one of the, the common traditions, especially in Celtic traditions. And I'm sure maybe it, it bleeds out into other traditions, too, or is similar in other traditions where we name our homes, we name our cars, we mm-hmm. name appliances and we give them an identity because they are working for us. They are part of our lives. They make our lives easier or we rely on them for a certain task. And when we give them that acknowledgement that they are infused with our energy, they're infused with our home's energy, they're infused with our family's energy, then that is that is living the path. That's working the path. And you know, there's no spell that has to be conducted to make that happen it's just something that does happen and most witches as far as i know believe in animism they believe everything has a spirit has a energy connected if you have any kind of psychic ability you know that to be true and that to me is part of the witchcraft path is we are acknowledging the energy around us whether that be human energy animal energy plant spirit star energy whatever it is In the craft, we sometimes feel pressure to use certain words, certain terminologies, buzzwords to talk about what we're doing. Um, Or we might feel like there's some new trend, new fad in witchcraft online that we need to try. If we're not doing it, we're not really living our best path. Um, One of these that hit me last year, which was like like it was, it was ended up being something useful, but I was like, huh, I've never used that word for it. But, uh, I noticed warding is like a big concept right now. Mm-hmm. Like I, maybe on TikTok, I don't have TikTok, but I know on 
um, Instagram. I've seen it talked about a lot. And one of my, my brother's girlfriend, actually one of my like good friends at this point too. She's awesome, but she's like 20, 21 years old. And <laughs> she has like this TikTok only understanding of witchcraft. And she like uh, wants to be a witch, but she's like super intimidated by everything. Mm-hmm. And she's like, what is warding? How do I know if I'm doing it? And I was like, I've never heard of that before. I don't know. Oh. And so I looked it up and I was like, oh, it's shielding. Yeah. So yeah. I've always done shielding, but I've known now that I can Google warding practices and mm-hmm. I'll get some other ideas for shielding. But that's the yeah. new word for it. So like sometimes we need to be aware of those words just, you know, for those instances where like we're talking about the same thing, but using a different yeah. terminology. Technology, um, context. Yeah. Another thing I saw going around last fall and a little bit this fall was simmer pots. Like you got to have a simmer pot all the time. And I've never done a simmer pot where you just fill water and things that smell good. Like, but I've always done throughout the fall, I'll do hot apple cider on the stove pretty much 24 seven while I'm home. And then in the winter, I switch that to mulled wine. So I, it's the same idea, but for me, it's a little bit more practical. And then I strain my oranges and my anise and dry it in the oven. And then I hang it as a decoration. Uh, between pots so it you know by the end of the season by like january february i have like all these great decorations but i never (laughs) would have called it a simmer pot so like you know sometimes (laughs) these these fads are are hard to keep track of but you know if they work for your practice that's great if they don't that's great and i think one important thing to remember also with these buzzwords that go around is that they're not new um warding is something that i was taught more than 20 years ago. And I'm sure it's something that you can find in ancient texts too. It's just what your coven or what your path calls it. Um, And now just to be, to make a little clarification between warding and shielding. um, I was taught a little bit different. Warding is, it is a shield. It is a barrier, but it's specific where you use sigils paint them in the wall you inscribe Mm -hmm. them into something you paint them on your body um you it might accompany like a binding spell that sort of thing so there is a little bit of a nuance there that tiktok is not going to teach you You see yeah i didn't even know that my googling did not enlighten me to that and and that's where um i know some people like to scream gatekeeping but this is where the sacred knowledge is found is in the individual practices of different covens of different traditions of different practitioners and they do have a history they have a lineage and tracking that lineage is where you find the validity in it Um, we talked about like the whole bay leaf thing you know write your bay leaf Mm, on write your wish on the bay leaf and then burn it well in my tradition you have to be gifted that bay leaf through your food and that food is traditionally um, created in a magical sense. So kitchen witchcraft there. And so there's little nuances from different paths that, you know, a, a one minute TikTok is not going to really teach you, um, especially if you're just getting your information through social media, through one or two sources, because those one or two sources yeah. aren't going to know it all. They shouldn't have to know it all. Why do we have to know it all? Mm. <laughs> We don't have yeah, to. Yeah, none of us do. <laughs> and, you know, it it's just a demonstration of you shouldn't learn witchcraft from social media because you're only going to get the best parts of it. You're only going to get the snips, snippets of it. You're not actually being trained by someone who can show you or demonstrate to you the nuances that hide in the cracks, so to speak. Yeah. 
The same thing with Simmerpots. Think- <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and like to me, like a Simmerpot, yeah, great. You get that smell in your home, but what do you mm-hmm. do with all those herbs afterwards? You right. just discard them as spell remnants. Like that water is fairly useless. Maybe mm-hmm. it's completely toxic. You know, like, you know, I don't know. I've always looked at everything I do with witchcraft. Like, well, what can I do with it next? Like at Samhain, when I burned my letters up to my ancestors, yep. I was like, well, I don't want to get rid of these ashes. I don't want to- nope. Just those are magic. Bury them or something. So I actually made it into black salt so that yep. I can use that to protect my home. So now Absolutely. it's like even more meaningful. It's my mm-hmm. ancestor tie there. Yeah. And I notice like on social media, there's a lot of miscommunication about what things mean. Um, I, mm-hmm. I saw one person saying black salt was volcanic salt. No, <laughs> that's Ooh, not black yeah. salt. I mean, yeah, it is black salt, but that's black salt for your food. That's not black salt for your magic. Um, yeah, you do you know, not like, eat black salt. <laughs> no, no, you do not eat black salt. Now, if it's volcanic or the the uh, Indian black salt where that they it is volcanic or um, very sulfuric, they use it in mm. specific drinks and they use it in specific cooking. That's a different, totally different kind of black salt. That's a culinary black salt, not a magical black salt. And they, they're not interchangeable mm. because when you're making black salt, there's specific things that go in it. And again, a one minute TikTok or a, you know, simple Instagram post is not going to necessarily teach you that. And that, I think that creates more confusion when the not, I don't want to say this. I'm going to say it the wrong way. And I'm going to sound pretentious. But the, when the real teachers come into play, when yeah. those who have been trained, who have a lineage and who have that history and that that understanding of the nuance come in they i think they scare people away because maybe there's a fear of being judged or a fear of oh this is too hard but witchcraft is not supposed to be easy it's not supposed to be glitter and butterflies all the time it's not what it's about Mm -hmm. and i think that's then maybe the best way to to separate ourselves from those those the draw of the fun Oh, look, mm. a little recipe for black salt. Like, that's great. But it's going to say, add ashes to white salt. Okay, right. well, where do I get those ashes? Like, mm-hmm. noticing having those questions and then going to external sources to look that up, mm-hmm. going to multiple sources to find other recipes. And then if you do have, you know, a teacher or somebody who's been practicing for a while, ask them. You know, that's... it's. I think Instagram, TikTok, all these things are great for conversation starters and to get us thinking about new things. But we need to, what separates us out from just a a trendy, here to have fun, you know, hashtag witchy person and (laughs) a witch is the the activity. Like you go and you do these things. You You don't just save the post and then, you know. Like and follow and like and follow and like right. it's about moving into yeah. a person. It's so personal being yeah. a witch. Well, it's- and that may- brings up a good point because people who are on and I include myself in this because I'm on Instagram, I'm on TikTok. Yeah, um, I'm on Insta. Yeah, <laughs> and and for the most part, it is about creating likes and shares and growing that mm-hmm. influence. If and. I I can't speak for everybody, but I I think that's their they want to be TikTok famous, they want to be Instagram famous, they want to be internet famous, <laughs> and yeah, the the real teachers out there aren't looking for that. They're just looking to share knowledge, and 
I know that's why I'm in it. So I can't really speak for everyone else. But when I'm out there teaching or explaining or showing and demonstrating, it's because I feel like there's a genuine need to understand. And I'm, mm-hmm. I don't care if I have 2000 followers or 2000 followers every month or if I have 2 million followers. I don't, I don't care about that. What I care about is that the people who follow me are the right people who want the right information, who want not. And I don't want to mean right as in I'm correct and everybody else is wrong in the right right information that leads them to their path of authenticity. Yeah, that they're seeking for answers. (laughs) That's seeking real answers instead of just, oh, that's cute. I want to do that tonight, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's where we come into this debate of performative witchcraft versus witchcraft. Yes. Like there's a lot of, like we started this episode saying, there's a lot of down and dirty witchcraft that you have to do to be a witch. Even just ritual cleanup is a lot. Like, or remembering (laughs) to dust your altar, you know? So that's definitely a big one. Maybe maybe this is your reminder to take everything (laughs) off and dust it and put (laughs) it back together because it's... Yeah. Get a can of air and really get in there with your statues. <laughs> well, not just that. It's finding joy in that kind of thing. Realizing that clearing yeah. the dust and the cobwebs and the old wax and that sort of thing, it is a renewal of that space. And that is something that I know I struggle with because I hate cleaning. I really hate it. And especially if, if I know like my family's going to come back behind me and like mess it up. So... <laughs> But when I clean my ritual spaces and when I come into the shop and I clean, it feels different. It feels more magical Mm -hmm. to me because Mm -hmm. I put myself in that mindset. And I know that the people who are here working with me, they take just as much pride and care in that space as I do. Yeah. And sometimes actually... And and it's fun because this kind of bridges us into that aesthetic we all want to be a part of. But when we romanticize the little things, Mm. like when we make things exciting, like there's this this meme I I keep seeing going around and it's like, you're not running errands. You're on a side quest. Mm -hmm. You know, like like it's like, oh, make things fun and exciting. Like, like, I agree with that. I think that's a way to like you know, remind yourself that like this walk you're on, even if you live in the most grungy, dirty city neighborhood yep. is still you out in nature, and it's you know, sacred. like feel like the heroine of your own fantasy novel, if you want, Yes, like those kind of, you know, aesthetic imaginings that we can <laughs> impart on the boring parts of real life. That's great. Like, I think that that enhances my craft. Like when I know that I need to scour my sink, I'm like, oh, I'm not just cleaning my sink. Like I'm preparing a space where I'm going to make my sacred dishes for this whole week. Yes. Like this is where I'm going to do kitchen magic. And then I put on my favorite witchy playlist and cleaning the sink becomes kitchen witchcraft. Kitchen witchcraft. Yep, it does. And and I I even outlined that a little bit in my book um, about how cleaning is part of the practice. It's not about... You know, oh, I have to do another load of dishes. Crap, you know, or who left that in the sink? You know, (laughs) (laughs) it's like you said, it's that sacred task of preparing the space and getting yourself ready to do something that's sacred because your path is sacred. (laughs) 
So another topic we can talk about is being in or out of the broom closet. And I think this one, it touches a lot of people because they think in order to be a real witch, they have to be out of the closet. Mm -hmm. And that's absolutely Mm -hmm. not true. Nobody needs to know your business. And when I worked in corporate America, this was a huge thing for me because I was deeply in the closet. And keep in mind, this was... um, Oh, not not quite 15, about 15 years ago. And it was one of those things where I was working in a heavily, heavily patriarchal environment. Um, all my bosses, the owner of the company, everybody, they were the good old boys club. Like, you know, women mm. did not get ahead. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. The whole, you know, women always had to wear skirts type thing. Oh, a lot of sweethearts and fetch me my coffee. And oh, it was just, it was so toxic. But in order to keep my job, I had to play the part. So, you know, I got the coffee and, you know, made the appointments and followed the dress code and everything like that. But outside of it, I was the president of a pagan church out here. I, you know, every weekend I spent doing pagan stuff. (laughs) And when I was outside of work, you know, I even had um, things in my car where if I could, uh, I I happened to work next to a really nice park, um, Chickie's Rock, if anybody's familiar with that out there. Uh, Yes. (laughs) Oh, if you are and you haven't been, or even if you have been, go back I love Chickie's Rock. It has such great spirit. Oh, Oh my gosh. It's so great. And there's so much lore, like local lore surrounded by it that it's really interesting. So I would go there on my lunch breaks and I would perform spells or do a little ritual or, you know, whatever I could to keep myself grounded in my in my faith and in my path without being so overwhelmed by this patriarchal um, Mm. ideal of of what it meant to exist. <laughs> yeah. And I remember one day sitting at my desk and I happened to have um at the time I was a labyrinth facilitator. So I was um a member of the Labyrinth Society and I had some of their pamphlets that they were in my purse and I had just pulled them out of my purse to get something else and I laid them on my desk and the one executive came by my desk and he's like, "Oh, what's that? What's that hinky stuff on your desk? You need to remove that." I was like, whoa. And all it was was a picture of the Shar Labyrinth. It wasn't mm. anything over overtly pagan. It wasn't. It was actually a picture of a labyrinth that is in a cathedral in France that is very Christian. <laughs> yeah. Know? So it was so strange. And in not long after that, I left that job and never looked back. So <laughs> there yeah. are ways out of it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and and I was in the broom closet when I was teaching school. Like, that was definitely not something I put out there or I didn't wear my pentagrams. I did, however, have people still find me. So if you're in yeah. this boat of like, I need to stay in the closet for my own safety, for my mm-hmm. own security at my job. Maybe you live with your parents and you know they're not going to take it well. That's okay. Yeah. I'm still, I would say, like 50 to 75% in the broom closet. Mm-hmm. Um but people will find you. Like I have, yeah. have really not had trouble meeting witches. They find me. I find them. Yes, I would go to events sometimes and I would meet people that way. But I had two instances uh, over the years I was teaching in a public school at back to school nights where the parents came up and just knew I was a witch. It was insane. <laughs> I was like, how do they know? Like I have zero tattoos. I don't wear pagan jewelry at, at school. I don't have... 
I don't know. I just wear normal people clothing. I used to shop at Dress Barn a lot. Like I just was looking like a teacher in my mind, you know, and they were like, you know, we just wanted to let you know it's okay if you want to, you know, help him with his craft. He likes to bring his book of shadows to school. And I was like, Aww. I'm sorry. And they're like, "What? you're a witch, right? And I was like, yes, but how did you know that? And they were like, oh, and they're like, you know, it's just crazy how people just spot you. So, you know, be open to those moments as well. Um, but don't feel pressured to, to be out of the closet. I know that's something a lot of people will say otherwise, but at the end of the day, we are moving into a society where we don't have to make bold sweeping gestures. Like we don't need to bake a cake and say, you know, I'm having a coming out party anymore. Like we can just (laughs) bring home our, our, you know, wear a new pentagram necklace to Thanksgiving and they'll just get to roll their eyes and be like, oh, she's weird. Like, that's it. Like, you don't really have to come out anymore, I think. So every now and then I'll post something on my main Facebook and I'm like, you know what? Let them think what they're going to think. Like, I'm not going to, you know, I I don't know. I'm not going to do anything to defend people, but I'm just going to be me. I in yes be, be you that's what this whole thing is about is being you but i i would love to see more witches having like coming out parties like we as a culture Ooh, we don't I, have like I know we don't have these rites of passage so much anymore. Yeah, we have weddings and births and funerals, that sort of thing. But that's pretty much it. We don't have like these rituals that mark significant, significant occasions in our life. And I think like witches having coming out party. Let's make that a trend. Can we please out there, everybody? <laughs> Influencers, like whoever listens, like seriously, can we make this a thing where we have big coming out parties for witches and we all celebrate (laughs) our own individual identity and just recognize that hey i see you you see me and we're here together i would love to do that like how do we how do i make that happen like seriously (laughs) it's almost yeah it's almost like almost like an initiation but like right less ceremonial and somber yes <laughs> just yeah. the kiss and ale part <laughs> whoever's out there and you start doing this like tag me in it <laughs> you know we'll, we'll, we'll make sure let's make sure we put the tags in the notes because i seriously i want this to be a thing <laughs> I'm, I'm excited yeah. about it right now because well, i'm I gonna see <laughs> yeah from the rites of passage perspective yeah that would be great I was thinking more along the lines of how, like, there was that storyline in every anytime there's a gay character ever, they have to have a big I'm coming out to my parents moment or I'm coming right. out to my teacher moment or something. And, like, we're yeah. kind of moving past that in, like, the gay community now where, yes. like, you yes. can just be like, mom, this is my boyfriend. And mom's they're like, okay with oh, it now. can I bring you well, boys snacks? You know, hopefully yeah, they're it's okay like with just that, assumed you know? OK. Yes. Yeah. I mean, in my house, so like, I hope we can be there with witchcraft too. (laughs) Yeah, let's let's (laughs) let's make it a thing. Tag us in it, you know. Seriously, on Instagram and and TikTok or Facebook, whatever, wherever you are, I don't care. I don't I don't play favorites with social media. (laughs) But seriously, let's make this a thing. Like like bake somebody a cake and get them a you know wear a nice dress, put some flowers in your hair. I don't know, whatever, whatever floats your boat. Do some crafts. Have Do tea. some crafts. Yeah, have tea. <laughs> Light some candles. Dedicate an altar to your coming out. I don't know. You know, there's all kinds of things that, that people could do individually that are unique to their path and their their identity that would make this amazing and beautiful. And, you know, it, and maybe it is that little tiny fuck you in the face of patriarchy of, yeah, we're here and we're not going <laughs> away. You tried to kill us off. 
Uh, it didn't happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, we, we are the descendants of the ones you could not burn. <laughs> yeah. I like that oh, I love that I like saying. That. Yeah. <laughs> so... So if we're, we're going to talk about coming out of that broom closet, let's talk about, you know, which path you might identify with. And for me, I don't think any of us have to adhere to one label or any label if that's your thing. Like if it's not your cup of tea to label yourself, then don't. You don't should not feel pressured to do that. Yeah. But to me, I feel like yeah, I agree. identifying myself with a certain path or a certain um, theology or way of doing my witchcraft, you know, how I do my witchcraft. I don't even know if that's that doesn't sound right, but you know what I mean? You get it. You get it. <laughs> and yeah. To me, like I identify as a kitchen witch, a cottage witch, a shadow witch, a hedge witch or green witch. You know, I work with herbs. I work with um the moon. I work with sometimes crystals, even though that's not my forte. I do sometimes work with crystals. Um you know, Who I, doesn't love crystals? I know. And, and herbs and, you know, tea. I, I'm, I'm a tea witch also. So like all of these things that I identify with, they kind of make up the, the sum of the whole. You know, I do all these different things. And, you know, sometimes that means I'm just sitting in my sunroom, moon room, and I'm looking at the moon and just, <laughs> you know, having a moment. It doesn't mean that, you know, that's all I ever do. But, you know. It's it is what it is. And I mean, how do you identify it, Elise? Yeah, I agree. I used to get really hung up on this, especially before I was in a coven. And that's that's just to like put that caveat out there. If you're a dedicate and and or an initiate coming in to a coven and your craft has a specific label, like even if you're that label, you can still have these other labels. So I think a lot of times people are like, oh, well. You know, I'm fairy, so mm. I'm fairy. Like, well, yeah, and but maybe you you're also, <laughs> yeah, like maybe you're also hearth witch. Maybe you want to identify with the pantheon you work with the most. Mm -hmm. So for me, I, I guess at the end of the day, I'm an eclectic witch because I'm so yeah. deep in syncretism. Every time I work with a goddess, like I can't not see, like Aphrodite is my main goddess right now, but mm. that spurned from Inanna as my first goddess. So coming through. That I'm realizing, well, actually, Aphrodite is kind of new to Greece and she came because of Sumerian influence. So they're almost yeah. the same. So for me, I have to be an eclectic by the by the book. I can't be Hellenistic, I suppose. Mm. But I'm living in Greece now and I'm going to the sea almost every day to meditate. So I guess I'm a sea witch. But right. I would have always identified as more of a cottage witch before this. But now... You know, I'm I'm almost nomadic. I travel so much. So I like, you know, it, you kind of morph in and out of these things. So I try yeah. not to even pick a label anymore. <laughs> no, because it don't just have gets to. complicated. Right. And you really don't have to. I mean, maybe today you're a sea witch, but tomorrow you're a forest witch. Maybe the next day you're, yeah. uh, you know, a crystal witch. Who knows? It doesn't matter. Or maybe you're all of them at the at the same time. It, it doesn't matter. Um, it, it does I think I think what happens to a lot of people is when they're trying to label themselves, they're trying to find that niche that they fit in. They're trying to maybe get some sort of accolade for being X, Y, Z, or they're trying to just find their spot. And that's fine. But your spot can be in many places. It doesn't have to be one. And you don't have to pigeonhole yourself. Witchcraft if is so deep. Oh. Yes, it's so vast. Like you don't want to not try this thing just because you're not that thing mm -hmm. yet. 
or right. you don't think you can right. be. Yeah. You know, or, I draw sigils, you don't but I'm not a sigil about- witch. I just right. like them. Right. And you don't have to know everything about it in order to identify with it. You know, yeah. you don't have to know every single herb and every property and every action and every every nuance of every herb in order to be an herbal witch or a, uh, a tea witch or any of that. You can know enough to do the work that you do effectively. And that's all you need. You don't need to know everything. Um, Aaron and I were talking yesterday, Aaron, the rebel herbalist, um, about herbs because we were, you know, being giddy little girls and shopping for herbs because I needed to order <laughs> stuff for the shop. And so there were some herbs that her and I had never worked with directly. And we're like, yeah, let's get a pound of that. And, you know, let's see what we can make with it. And so her and I were working together to expand our knowledge and expand our understanding oh, of, of herbs. And, you know, I consider her extremely knowledgeable in herbs. And it's nice to know that when we are working with other people, when we're working with ourselves, when we're working to gain that knowledge, it's OK to try something new. It's OK to know to say, hey, I've never worked with that before. Let's try it. You know. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's definitely something that is a lifelong journey. I think that's, again, it's like that activity of witchcraft that witchcraft is. Like we can't not be active in it. So if you're trying something and you like it or you don't, mm. that's okay. That's witchcraft. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, so we're going to wrap this episode up with the idea that you can choose your own path. You are allowed to be more than one thing and you don't have to be this perfectly poised version of whatever you're being told a witch should look like, act like or be like. And I think that's one of the important things on this path is it's so individual that you don't have to adhere to someone else's ideology. Mary meet, Mary part, and, and Mary meet, meet again. again. Thank you for joining us on the Magic Kitchen podcast. Please visit my website, leandrawitchwood.com, for news, information, and more episodes. I'm Elise Wells, and I can be found at Seeking Numina on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook and SeekingNumina.com. That's Seeking, N-U-M-I-N-A. Join me as I immerse you in sacred meditations, ambience, ASMR, and history at spiritual sites around the world.